And so I guess that's where Fuck Giving was born in a way. The, the, the real birth of it, though, um, was, like I guess, like composting my life and quitting my job and having this blank canvas and going, shit, what am I going to do? And so I guess just before all of that happened, um, I decided to have my 30th birthday um, as a fuck giving birthday and ask all my friends to to give a fuck and to contribute something so long sustainability is about you know telling people how bad they are that we're not doing enough that we're consuming too much of the earth's resources and so how do we like actually just flip that intention to to give more and i went down this kind of i guess rabbit hole of like like complete confusion as to like what gave us the right and what why did we end up with this narrative of the day that we're born we can like celebrate with these birthdays and just take so much like why aren't we being really grateful to the earth for sustaining like our life and this life and and giving us so much um, and why don't we give back to it and say thank you. G'day for Rothers. You know those around us who operate at high energy levels? From friends, family through to the famous, those who emanate enthusiasm, they inspire you to be better. Their words give you a rush. This rush fires off dopamine right in the middle of your brain's reward centre. My theory is that at times just before we need to hit our straps, to tap into peak performance in our flow state, we find these people and harness their energy. I call this energy froth, I call these people frothers. This is a journey to find the frothers, to understand how they inspire themselves and others to be their best. And I'll pass it on to you on this podcast, dare I say frothcast, so you can fly into your next challenge, beaming, pumped and full of energy. This is a coffee shop with a Red Bull chaser. This is Finding the Frothers. Howdy Frothosauruses, I hope you're having a wonderful day or night or whatever you're doing, wherever you are. This episode is uh, a cracker, if I do say so myself, and uh, it's with one of my original anchor frothers. So if you guys know the process of finding the frothers and identifying those people who uh, you can go to at any time for that kind of like spike in energy or, you know, just ask them anything about life that kind of invigorates you and allows you to recharge the batteries. And my next guest, who you're going to get the pleasure of listening to, is Sarah Rickards, dear friend of mine, uh, original anchor frother. Uh, we've been mates for 12 years now, which is kind of crazy. Uh, we, we discussed this through the podcast and how important uh, our friendships have been in terms of where we've found ourselves and now that we collaborate on projects and, you know, just how important the fuck giving movement was uh, both for Sarah in terms of creating it, but for me in terms of transitioning my life into a, into the space it is now and, and giving more fucks about myself as well as other people around me and, and the planet. Uh, we really just riff and jam. It's sick. We talk about potential sacred currencies. We talk about Sarah's uh, approach to composting your life and how important that is. And I love that because self-reflection is such a huge part of my life and really deep inquiry into into what don't we really need anymore? How can we practice resurrection? How can we compost and, and let the shit go that we don't need? And uh, I think now more than ever, it's a fantastic opportunity to be having a think about how you can potentially compost your life. Um, we also talk about indigenous cultures and being custodians of the land and some of our inspiration a lot of our inspiration comes from elders that we have had the pleasure of working with and we discuss a few of these and also we talk about unicorns and unicorn cake and double-ended dildo poetry so uh i feel like we've got a gamut of things that could pique your interest um not to mention poos and words as spells it's with um great pleasure that i get to introduce to my listeners if you've not heard of her before 
you will now and I'm sure you will go out of your way to to follow her and listen to listen to the wisdom that comes um, and I'm just super appreciative of having such an awesome friend if you have a friend that calls you up and when they do you you go and do the thing you don't think twice well um yeah Sarah's that friend for me and also if you haven't already feel free to give me a review uh, I don't really like this whole go and give me a review business, but it seems to work and I'd re- really love to just get the message out a bit more about some of these epic humans that I've got to have chats with and we'll continue to have chats with for as long as someone listens and writes me a note to say you are sharing some absolute froth and brightening our days, then the podcast will continue. So without further ado, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce you to dear friend fuck giver frother and you know just extraordinary human sarah rickards welcome to an episode of finding the frothers uh this has been a long time coming in the finding the frothers series sarah was actually listed as my first frother my first anchor frother for anyone who doesn't know what that means there's people that you have in your life that you can reach out to at any time for wisdom and to increase your froth levels to increase that resonant energy so very special episode with um the one and only sarah rickards welcome oh that was a beautiful welcome you increase my froth levels in the presence of two benny that's the, that's the point of having um, finding the frothers because you, you tend to do the same thing. Otherwise, you'd be a, a fizzer, as I call it, or, or that, that dude with the, the dot in the middle of his head. He calls them energy vampires. We all have enough of them in our lives. But I feel, I feel like as you get older, it's easy just to be like, nope, no uh, energy vampires for me. Or you tolerate them, but you, you, you use boundaries to guard your energy. Yeah, boundaries is a big one. I sucked at boundaries for a really big, long time um, and had a lot of energy vampires around. But yeah, now becoming more like attuned to it. Um, you can kind of, you can play with vampires, um, but yeah, you've got to have that protective bubble around you if you choose to <laughs> go down that path for whatever reason. Yeah, I secretly would, wouldn't mind becoming a vampire anyway. It's always been something that, you know, I've always tossed up hypothetically, you know, if a vampire flew in and, and they were like, hey, do you want to come party and go to raves all night? Probably because I watched that movie Blade and that, that opening <laughs> scene's got like that driving house music and all the vampires are just ha- looking like they're having the sickest time. Um, so, yeah, that's, that, I'm not sure how relevant that's going to be to this conversation, but who knows, considering what we're talking about offline. Who knows where this is going to go? Anything could happen, Benny. So, mate, I want to I want to take it back because we've been buddies for twelve years now. It's pretty uh, it's pretty pretty radical, um, especially because we were, we were kind of wreckheads <laughs> in our early twenties, uh, and probably I, I continued to be through to my late twenties. But um, yeah, I'd I'd love to to chat about the journey of a a fuck giver. What is a fuck giver, and how you became a fuck giver initially and and yeah just because there might be some people in this audience who haven't seen you even though a lot of our radical friends know you quite well now given our work that we've been doing um but yeah give us the fuck giver download (laughs) a download um hmm, where to start i think a lot of it um really stemmed from i guess the start of my career working in sustainability and um, you know, even sustainability in general is like, you know, a lot of people can think that 
this means like tree or recycling and you know trying to unpack this like huge complex thing and distill it down in, into bits doesn't really do it justice because it's very holistic in itself and so I'd have a lot of conversations um, with people about sustainability and how we could infuse it into the way that we design things and education systems and things like that and I found myself getting pretty frustrated um, at one point um, and I just was like, how do I get people to give a fuck? Um, and it sort of, it stemmed from there, but it also stemmed from being dyslexic as well. And so my ability to like recall um, words, especially like long and complex words um, has never been great. So I, you know, I guess I grew up in Newcastle, so I'm, I'm a bit of a bogan anyway, but I would often sub um, like swear words for um the word that I couldn't find quickly enough as well. So it was kind of a little bit part of my essence. Uh, I remember like when I was asked to do like a, this TEDx talk about the work that I do, um, I was too scared to do it because I hated public speaking, but I was more scared about accidentally saying fuck or swearing or like saying something really awkward um, that would be recorded forever. And I was speaking to my really dear friend Luke and he's like, why don't you just do like the gnarly like fucker shit version? And I was like, Huh. It was like a beautiful like invitation to be authentic and be myself. And so I guess that's where Fuck Giving was born in a way. Um, the, the the real birth of it though um, was like, I guess like composting my life and quitting my job and having this blank canvas and going, shit, what am I going to do? Um, and so I guess just before all of that happened, um, I decided to have my 30th birthday um, as a Fuck Giving birthday and ask all my friends to to give a fuck and to contribute something because um, for so long sustainability is about, you know, telling people how bad they are, that we're not doing enough, that we're consuming too much of the earth's resources. And so how do we like actually just flip that intention to, to, to give more? Um, and I went down this kind of, I guess, rabbit hole of like, like complete confusion as to like what gave us the right and what, why did we end up with this narrative of the day that we're born? We can like celebrate with these birthdays and just take so much. Like why, aren't we being really grateful to the earth for sustaining like our life and this life and, and giving us so much um, and why don't we give back to it and say thank you um, on that day. And so that's where it really stemmed from. Um, and you did one of the best, the best fuck giving gifts of all time, Benny. Yeah, it wasn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> you set the bar pretty high. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was pretty amazing. I, yeah, I'll let you share what you did and, and why. Yeah, uh, so I saw all these inspirational things and I was kind of um, working in a job that I really disliked. So maybe this would be pertinent for listeners right now. That uh, And I didn't dislike it because of the people. The people were fantastic. Clients, assholes for the most part. And the product didn't work a lot of the time. Uh, it was, I was working for a, a rapidly scaling tech company and there's teething problems across the board um, at anything like that. And yeah, I was just, I was like, what could be the biggest thing I could do to give a fuck? And I'd started a business called Good Seats, uh, which was taking unsold sporting tickets and allowing people to volunteer for them in local communities. And I was like, well, this isn't really kicking off here. I'm sick of my job. Uh, it's coming into another English winter. So I might bounce back to the Australian summer. Not so, not so tough, but that was my, my fuck giving gift, which was to, you know, fuck off back home to Australia and, um, and try and get good seats off the ground, which you helped me do, uh, which we, we had a crack at. And, yeah, it went all right, but we're not doing that anymore. 
I think I think the part that was missing in, in that narrative was like, and it's a story that I tell myself anyway, is that you were yeah working also in like sort of like you've got this you know if you studied advertising and it was like how do you use those skills like purely for good um, and that was like the original intention so you're definitely doing that in everything that you do now which is like utterly freaking amazing um, and and also like totally a, a beautiful privilege to have as well there's there's so many people that um, are fantastic storytellers um, and, and creatives that have to you know sell I don't know, I'm just going to pick something random, baked beans. And maybe they're not super passionate about selling baked beans or, you know, that single-use plastic thing that nobody needs but, um, yeah, is, is creating these million-dollar businesses and things like that. And so how do we, how do we just sell the things that the world actually needs? Um, and a lot of the time that isn't really stuff, experiences, um, yeah, and acts of service, I guess. Totally. So it's such a... a- great place to to come from when people can we were talking about jason silver on our reunion thread the other day uh finding the things that are curious and then what you're curious about and then chucking in the icky guy and you know where can you where can you make some corn where can you grow some corn okay cabbage okay money (laughs) at the moment um and yeah, what lights you up, what, what gets you out of bed in the morning. And when you find stuff like that and people collaborate with like that, that's when, that's when you know you've hit the jackpot. Mm, totally. I was, um, I was with a friend yesterday and we were talking about like the economy and sacred economics and, you know, what could potentially happen from here. Um, and, yeah, we, we got onto that subject of like what would local currencies be and could they be, you know, like, local like dehydrated flowers or like whatever it might be that is like renewable but like there's only like a certain amount and you like trade it <laughs> um with people in the local economy but sort of also more broadly around the world and like you know just the potential of what all this stuff could look like um so it's yeah i think it's funny to mention cabbage and, and corn with respect to cash because um <laughs> you know it's anything's possible from here so like what are what are we creating to know that, um, yeah, the, cu- the current system with respect to cash is um, slightly flawed? Yeah, ever so slightly, yeah. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a great opportunity for us to co-create and co-design what these things mm-hmm. look like. And uh, speaking with dear friend Billy Otto about his activism around music, it's mm-hmm. like that is such a portal for people to get into and understand activism is through like, you know, banging tunes or pieces of art or poetry or something like that. Um, I want to just whip back around to something you mentioned just before, which was, which is something that I've taken on board uh, and maybe not done it as a you, but composting your life. How would you go about composting your life for anyone listening, <laughs> maybe in that kind of liminal phase at the moment where they've got an opportunity to kind of say, Thanks to the the old ways and hello to the new. Mm, it's a big question. Um, I've done it a fair few times, but and um, I don't know if there's any kind of secret formula to it. I think I was I was a lot more reckless reckless in the past. Like I'd kind of get to like before I quit my job, I could feel my body like just not liking it. Um, you know, to the, the point where. I'd be like utterly fine on the weekend and as soon as I'd get into my workplace, I'd like break out in um, like really intense hay fever or headache. And like, it was like literally my body being like, no, this is not 
healthy for you, um, which was just like really, really curious. So I, I knew I had to change and that I couldn't keep doing it because I just couldn't even function <laughs> in this place anymore. Um, but I had, I guess, kind of like this process and it used to happen almost like every three years, like a cycle, um, where I, you know, maybe like quit my job and break up with my partner and move all, all at once. Um, I think that I'm maybe a little bit less reactive now because that can kind of be quite like ungrounding to do all of those things. And then you kind of like, oh, all these things that were kind of my things that made me stable or how I filled my days and even where I live and I've got an hour shifted. It's nice to have a blank canvas, but um, yeah, do we, do, we, <laughs> do we need to change all of those things? Um, and I guess what I came back to in that was like, how do I actually just, um, instead of changing all of the external things, how do I do the internal changing and feeling that it is required so I'm not just like running away from myself as well? Um, so I guess in that, there's like a real honouring of composting your life and, and the natural cycles because you know, there is there is a loss when you think about composting <laughs> um, or changing your life. And so how do you actually even just acknowledge that, that grief um, and that, yeah, it's, like a, it's a death of something to, to be able to grow something new. And so we see that in nature all the time. Nature is so you know, good at that, at like you know, growing a beautiful tree and, and fruiting and then the fruits will, will fall and potentially you, you might eat them and they might rot at the bottom and then create more nutrients in the soil and then continue to grow and evolve. Um, throughout the seasons and so yeah like it's like how do you maintain your integrity and your essence um while just shedding the things that um the old fruits that no longer serve you as a part of that and being yeah i guess intentional in in how you do that and um yeah knowing that's okay to <laughs> for it to feel pretty hectic as well because of that lost piece i think we don't speak a lot about the lost piece we can put it sort of like like quickly jump into like the optimism of like yeah this is really fun I'm like doing this new thing but there's 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 the death of the old um as well I'm trying to think of what I was calling it I was planting trees yesterday and I was I was talking about how we were um it was like a, a burial birth <laughs> um so we're, we're burying the trees but we're birthing them at the same time so how do you hold both of those things at once mm. Yeah, and that's the that's the burial, and then there's there's almost a, a liminal phase in there as well before the seeds pop out, the sprout, as we'd say. Uh, mm -hmm. The other way that the fruits uh, go back into the earth, I guess, is when we eat them, and then we do poos. That's been a, a pretty big. It's actually something that was big. Always, I didn't think of Sarah, think of poos, but we always talked about poos. So can you talk me, talk me through a little bit of your affinity with poos and why they've been so important? <laughs> I love talking about poos. It's so funny. Um, yeah, this is, this is kind of funny, but yeah, I actually remember distinctly having this thing when um, I like started like dating someone or there was like whatever, like, like a bit of like a spark or whatever. I'm like, I'm going to have to like see if they can handle like talking about like with me and how awkward they they get because I just find it so funny um I guess it's like the Im immature part of me for one um I guess being a recovering um environmental engineer that nearly became a wastewater engineer is another piece like it's really fascinating how you know we, we consume food and then excrete this waste and then this waste can be completely processed by microbes and then you know, a lot of the time in Australia, anyway, it goes back out, out into the ocean. But I just think that like waste is such an incredible 
resource. Um, um, it's not actually waste, we call it waste, but it's, it's a resource. Um, and I just love how awkward people get about poo. It's like every single person and most living things poo. And yet, you know, we're not allowed to talk about, you know, poo or, you know, poo or politics, really. Um, we're starting to talk more about politics, but... Politics. Yeah, <laughs> it should be maybe it needs to be fucking composted it absolutely needs to be composted there's no doubt about that yeah that's awesome um i, I know that um we're a, a dear uh tv show that we do like is the war on waste and um, having just been, been lasting myself in the war on drugs, particularly through a book called Chasing the Scream uh, by Johan Hari, I think I pronounced his name right. The war on, just the essence of the war on is, is such a, it's not the right word, even though it, in a lot of instances it is the right word, but it's never the solution. It's, it's always kind of a framing process. So how would you frame up waste for us to be more progressive with that, knowing how much of a potential life force it can be? I think, yeah, you've you've hit the nail on the head. Like our our words, you know, come with certain energies around them. So using words like war and like fighting, you know, climate change and things like that, you know, it's got a negative connotations and um yeah so it's about like how, how do we how do we create this these words and this therefore this language to be able to formulate our stories about the things that we do in the world and what our legacy will be because of those things so like once we're gone all that will be left will be um you know our stories and um you know th- there's more but if you just simplify it to, to stories um what is the the language that we chose to use um, to tell our stories and, and our legacy. So when I think about waste, it's definitely yeah, using the word um, resource. Everything is a resource. Everything that exists in this world, everything that's in the room that you're in, in the room that I'm in, the room that we're all in, came from um, our shared mum <laughs> from Earth um, and it's been processed and, and turned into other things. Um, you know, and if we really appreciated and respected how sacred each gift is and each each thing is there would be no waste in, in landfills i don't think um you know the fact that we just have so much stuff anyway just blows my mind and, and hurts my heart and soul but um i think that we're at a point where we're transitioning away from that and you know maybe that's one good thing to come out of you know the, the economy kind of composting itself right now is that you know it, it sort of puts us all on more of an even playing field with respect to that. And so we can't necessarily hyper consume like we were before. We have to be a little bit more cautious um, with money and our, our consumption because, you know, the carrying capacity of the earth is, is only so much. Like it's, <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's finite. Um, and so, yeah, if we, if we consumed with that, that knowing, um, I really love how, you know, there's that, that story of how, you know, when the men, went to the moon and looked back at the earth. It was like a real knowing of, of the, that we were on this ball. And so how do we all hold that when we consume and have that consciousness around that consumption? 
Mm-hmm. How do we all hold the ball? How do we all hold the ball? <laughs> the ball that holds us. Yep. Yep. Tempted to say cup, but I'll, <laughs> I'll leave that. <laughs> How do we all cup the ball? How do we all cup the ball? <laughs> This reminded me of the funniest thing. One of my friends, Shawnee, who, who you know, when we um, travelled around Australia in, um, in a car together, like just on this like crazy adventure, getting to know Australia and, and, and the u- uniqueness of, of this beautiful place. Um, she actually sent me this drawing. She's a great artist, but she sent me this like, you know, drawing one morning um, as I was composting my life and, and leaving my job and it was a hand and a ball and it's like grab life by the, the balls. <laughs> and I was like, interesting. And I mean, even that, that in itself, that language of like that real, like, there's a, even though I like, you know, ask people to give a fuck, there's a lot of like kind of like, I guess, sexual innuendo around words um, and, and that narrative um, which is it's, it's super curious as well. So, yeah, I'm actually trying to be more intentional um, with my words. And um, there's part of me that's trying to actually um, design myself away from being associated with, like, with fuck and that energy. Like, and there's part of me that's like, oh, well, it was part of me. So I'm like sort of like, yeah, it's this, it's, it's this weird kind of like friction as well. Um, yeah, I don't know how to explain it. I guess it's exactly what we're we're talking about. It's like that loss. Um, but how do I how do I step more into maybe like my like less kind of I guess that was more of like a masculine side of me actually, like a very kind of that came from that, you know, I guess maybe that being in more of an engineering kind of world and that balance between like, you know, being in that energy, um, and then moving maybe more into my like feminine energy or rebalancing that out. Um, which is yeah, another curious thing that I'm starting to learn a little bit about and just observe myself. Yeah, yeah that's a, a process of composting as well, isn't it, really? I've, I'm feeling that a lot at the moment. Uh, having worked in like techs and startups and stuff for so long and marketing, it's all about, you know, who do you serve? Who is your, like, who, which is nice, serve is, is a cool term. It's not who do you sell to, but... So he's like, you got to narrow it down. You got to narrow it down. And I've always felt like, like on my website at the moment, it's like, I help entrepreneurs and high achievers. It's like, you fucking wanker. So I've got to change that. Don't I've got to change that. Right now. It's like, why can't I? Why can't I say? Like, why can't you do Humans. And I get it that like niching is important so then people know that you're speaking to them. But... At the same time, I feel like if you're authentic with your message and you've got your values and your essence down, if you're speaking from that place, then the right people will hear it anyway. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I really love riffing on the words like Terence McKenna quote, which I always deliver. Oops, I smashed my microphone. Um, to always deliver uh, when I do the Finding the Frothers workshop, which is um, the world is made of words. If you know the, wor- the words the world is made of, then you can make it what you wish. And mm-hmm. Um, in my head before when you were speaking, I was like, the world is made of waste. If you know what waste the world is made of, you can make of it what you wish. And I'm like, actually, we could probably sub that out for all the things, you know, if we know what the essence of all the things are and potentially that can allow us to shape the reality of the world. And the world is, the words are like, Jason Silver says, a metaphysical tool. And so 
that in itself. And that's why I think me and you resonate a lot because we, we jam on words and we come up with different words and we jam words together and we say, hey, this is cool. And, and we just observe to see if people rally around them. Um, and then we, we observe when someone takes it and takes on that kind of self-authoring um, mold and, and goes, I'm going to fucking run with this idea and I'm going to make it my own. And we just sit there and go, yeah, we cheer them on. And, and, and that is kind of that sort of perception on like, we don't own anything. All the ideas are everyone's. And um, I'd love to throw this in and get your, get your ideas on this and your spin on this. One of my beautiful friends and fellow coaches, Georgia Ellis, uh, I was talking to her the other day and she said, I was talking about, fuck, I had this idea and then I wanted to do it. And then, so I threw it out there and now I'm kind of regretting it. And I was like, shit, uh, there goes heaps of my energy. I'm punching too many holes. We'll talk about clocks in a moment. Um, and she goes, I've got this theory on ideas. Uh, and that is that if you're in flow and if you're collaborating with the right people, you, ideas are just going to continue to come. And it's just a matter of you pick the idea out of the, the ether, the energy, the quantum field, whatever you want to call it, and if you act on it. And then if you throw it back, it might come back again. And then that could be the quantum field telling you you should really do that idea. But it's, you shouldn't feel bad if you let ideas go because someone's going to find them. It's going to land in someone's heart and they're going to feel it and then they're going to create it. And if you see someone created a, a business that helped a billion people. I'm not going to use the billion dollar unicorn thing because fuck that old thinking anyway. But if you saw someone create your idea and it helped a billion people and you went, fuck yeah. Okay. I didn't, I didn't get the kudos, but Hey, maybe I contributed to that idea in this energy field. I think that's rad. I'd love to hear what your mm -hmm. thoughts are on that. Cause we're always coming up with ideas and, and triaging like what we go, what we go with is so hard, but, it seems like it seems like the process is getting easier. Mm, totally. I might be I don't know how to answer this. I might be a bit vulnerable and just say some weird stuff, but I um love it. <laughs> I typically do just say weird stuff anyway. Um but yeah, I de I've definitely heard that before and I definitely believe a lot of that. And I think, you know, there's these there's these idea bubbles sort of going around in the world and we kind of like channel them um and feel into is this right we might get really excited and like we might like blow up that the bubble or the idea or whatever it is um and, and iterate and evolve it and, and then you know we might compost it and pass it on and, and it continues to evolve so i absolutely believe that that's a thing um you know there's studies that have been done that you know show different ideas um well the same idea emerging in different places around the world um simultaneously and so i think that there's this thing that happens where the world is asking us to create things, whatever those things might be, um, and it's about us being really present and aware to what is the world asking um, us to do and how can we be of service to be that channel and that creator and that, that manifester of um, the evolution of that idea or that thing and, and, and the world as we know it. And I think that that in a way links and like our ability as, as humans to be able to communicate. And that's why words are very important. So when these ideas come, um, like this is, they will be different for everybody. Some people, it might be a feeling like very visual. Um, you know, my head is kind of like this wild cartoon, real life movie. Um, so that's the other thing is like, get, how, how do I get the words out to, to 
hate that that picture or that that narrative. Um, and then those words, in a way, um, you know, words are kind of like spells if used um, appropriately. And maybe when they're not used appropriately as, as well and we're just not aware of them. And I definitely think there's like certain people that have, um, maybe it's like a resonance or, or something that, um, like that, like Maddie um, is is one of them as well. Like he's so poetic, he just takes you like on on this journey. And there's people that just have these very powerful um, words, it's like this mystical spell like thing. It makes me like really sad actually when I think about like all of the language and words that have been lost with the traditional custodians um, around the world, but um, you know in Australia specifically, you know, like so many different languages and um, you know the song lines that um, they used to sing throughout Australia to, I guess, give this kind of, like, I don't completely understand the story I've been told is this vibrance, this energy, and singing the, the country to, to life through these, these words and these songs and these, these spells. And so how do we how do we try to regenerate that um, and a knowing of that and a consciousness of that? Something I'm really, yeah, really curious about. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know if this is your question, but um, <laughs> that's what comes up for me when you ask me about ideas floating around and, and what happens to them. That's, that answers the question. I mean, it's not a question that can be really answered, is it? It's more like a, um, it's an invitation to see what unfolds in your mind, which probably is a beautiful way to look at any question that you're asked. It's not you're not there to give the definitive answer because no one knows anyway. Um, I was I was jamming with our mutual buddy the other day, Dan Kalapsky. I might have had too many coffees, so I probably talked his ear off, but probably <laughs> to do that. Um, and I was saying that, like, and I think I wrote this in our group as well. It's kind of, uh, and I'm talking about my group, our group. I'm talking about um, reunion and our rise up. Reunion.earth. Uh, I'm allowed to plug it. We don't have sponsors. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I was saying, I was thinking about New Zealand and I was like, we really are, like New Zealand's our cool neighbour at the moment, aren't they? They're kind of our, our cool neighbour for multiple reasons. And, and and Dan was like, yeah, we're like the, the stupid cousin. <laughs> I was like, ah. Oh. I was like, it's kind of true. But, uh, and I was musing this morning about the the haka, right? And I just watched this beautiful documentary on uh, Adam Goods and what happened with him and why he retired and, and the booing and stuff. Uh, Stan Grant created. Love to get that frother, have a chat with him, um, uh, and Adam Goods as well. But I, I, and I, and, I, and I switch back to a memory of like the the New Zealand haka done by the old boys of rugby, and I think that was before the Maoris were really involved in rugby, uh, or they were, and it was kind of on the outskirts. And the and there was the the sort of white Caucasian uh, New Zealanders doing the haka, and it was so awkward. It was like. It was horrible. It's kind of almost to the point of it being funny. And I was like, but at least they were doing it. You know what I mean? Like at least they're, they're for, for decades that part, it's been a true part of their history that's been embraced. And, and I was like, that's just another level that we could. And, I, and there's a lot of having worked with a lot of Kiwis, both Maoris and, uh, and sort of second, how you would call it. Um, Second person's key, that's not correct, is it? Second person's key, yes. Um, but uh, there's a lot of hurt there still. There's obviously a lot of hurt from their colonisation. But they just seem to have have, have um, 
integrated and that's maybe not the word either, but like they, they come to the party together. I guess that's what reunion's about is, is coming to the party together. So yeah. And, and I know you've done a lot of work with um, indigenous elders. Uh, we're very grateful that we've had, had those, those guys come in, uncle Lex and, and um, I'd love for you to talk about custodianship and the land that you've become a custodian of in Tasmania because that was a that was a new concept for me, um, and so yeah, I'd love for you to share that if if you feel called. Yeah, of course. Um, I might just quickly loop back to, to Adam Goods because it's a very beautiful um, documentary that the Australian Story, I think it's called. Um, I I actually recently watched it as well um, because I, I somehow ended up on a on a panel with him a few weeks ago, um, which was really curious um, because it was, and it was for the launch of, it, of another documentary called In My Blood It Runs, which is another really beautiful story um, of an Indigenous healer who's like this young, um, young boy and he's kind of navigating, uh, you know, being this, this young Indigenous boy but having this kind of, I guess it's like a custodianship of, of this gift, this very powerful gift. And um, I ended up on the panel with him and... Um, the young, the young boy and his grandmother um, and the, the documentary maker and I'm sitting there in this room full of like there was a few hundred people there and just I was like I could feel my body like sort of shaking and like reverberating just like I'm this like white person on this panel like fuck and um, yeah when when it was my turn to say something I was like I, you know what what could I possibly say that would have any any meaning and just trying to trust in like not preparing something as well like just listening to what the other panelists were saying and just trusting that 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 channel of of whatever needed to come out would, would come out in that moment and so I ended up like with the, the the microphone I'm like shit like shit 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 what am I gonna say um and what came out was, um, you know, something that I don't think I'd ever said before, really. Um, but some of it I had, but it was about the, the kind of intent or the, the I guess, the, the thread of it. I, I won't be able to completely distill it right now, but it was about, like, how do I... Um, I think I said I'm just like a... I'm just, you know, I'm a white person trying to figure out how to, how to use my, my privilege to create um, the space for the healing that needs to occur in this country. And, um, you know, I... And a lot of my time and energy focusing and working in climate change and sustainability. And even if we solve all of these these problems, these huge problems, um, without addressing this and without healing this as a country, um, we, we'll, we'll never really solve um, those problems because we'll just be a country that's still um, in trauma. And so in, in a big way, um, I think that links to you know this custodianship of this this land in Tasmania because I really struggled with the 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 process of like buying land and I just like I've always just thought it's so like it's so horrific that we're buying this land that we don't even own and we come and you know put our fences up and you know all of the things that have happened here and it really had me kind of in this knot and um, but I knew it was this very strong calling to, to be in this place. Um, you know, I was invited <laughs> down there after we um, read the Vote for the Planet campaign together and 
I was um, I was totally cooked. It was an amazing, amazing um, campaign that we we did, and so much fun. But I kind of frothed too hard and burnt myself out, and I, I needed to heal and re- and recharge, and I guess like disconnect from the place that I I was in to be able to to do that. And I ended up in this like incredible place um, where this man called Peter Adams. Um, he went to um, on the advice of one of his his students actually, um, and then one of my I don't want to call him him a student, but one of the people that was in the program that I facilitated, um, Andrew Bacchioni, we call him the doctor. He gave me the prescription to go down there, <laughs> um, and um, yeah, but like I so said, Peter had you know spent all of these years planting, you know over decades, over 9,000 trees, um, listening to the landscape, um, asking it what it wanted to evolve um, back into because it had um, it, it been um, to were sheep farmers and then the land had been kind of um, destroyed, decimated, um, was arrowed. And so he's regenerated it with all of these natural um, native trees. And so, yeah, as part of it, like as soon as I was this deep knowing that I was I was home, but it was also really scary because it's like Tasmania, and it's not just the you know the capital city. It's an it's an hour and a half out of out of Hobart, and it literally faces Antarctica. It's like it feels like the end of the world, and um, yeah, I, I I totally just knew that um, I was going to end up here because I I actually had done this exercise um, maybe a year before around like the life that. Um, like it was called how to design a life, the life that you um, would like to be in, in in ten years time, and it's it's super simple. Um, it's written, it's created by this lady um, Debbie Moore, I think her name is, and she's been doing it with students for over a decade. These students were coming back and saying, "Shit, that thing that you facilitated us through came real, <laughs> became real." Um, and so basically, what it is is you just like journal um, the average day um, in in your life in ten years. Like, where do you wake up? Um, who's next to you, if there's a person next to you, um, is, you know, what sheets are you in, what do you see, what do you smell? And it was so vivid that I, I woke up in this place on this cliff overlooking the ocean um, <laughs> on this land and there's like there, there was friends living around me as well in other houses um, and, and the, the way that I spent my, my time throughout that day right until I, I went to bed, I knew that I'd already lived it before. Um, and part of me wanted to fight it because I, I didn't want to own land, I didn't want to mortgage or all of those things, but I, I knew that it would, you know, like those idea bubbles that come back around. I was like, I knew, I knew that it would just it would come back around, that it would maybe be, be harder or, or different. And so if I just, if I pushed against it too hard, that um, it, it would be out of alignment. And so, yeah, that's what happened. And, um, yeah, now now with the changing context of, what, of what's happened with, with COVID and I'm really thinking about how do I, how do I use use this land but how do I work with this this land um, and the tra- traditional custodians um, in Australia and in Tasmania the Palawa people um, to create like a like a healing centre a healing hospital for post life post corona um, so how do we you know how do we rewild how do we reconnect ourselves and each other and, and the natural world um, yes yeah, so I'm really excited about that I'm really terrified that as well um so yeah we'll see what happens i'm looking forward to having you down there benny yeah i'm stoked yeah that's something i'm being like massively called to as well as like how can i 
live mobile. I've lived in vans a couple of times, but not so much in a van looking at um, like tiny homes on wheels. Coming up to my lease being over and it's like, well, what can I, where can I be? Where, how can I be anywhere? How can I, you know, that's always been something that like, I've always hated that question. Hate's a strong word, but like, where is your favorite place in the world? And I'm like, and it took me a while to figure it out, but it's not, it's not a place. It's a, it's a feeling and it's around certain people. Mm-hmm. So how do I cultivate that? And so that, oh, I can't wait to get down there. Two reunion HQs would just be beautiful. And I mentioned like a health, a health hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, wouldn't it be amazing to, to, to have a goal where, we're not thinking about ourselves as stupid cousins, but we're taking the wisdom that is totally here on this on this uh, land, um, and and sharing it with the world, the oldest civilization on the planet, with all this wisdom, and and we're kind of a little bit of a bottleneck for it. So how could we be custodians of the land, custodians of the wisdom, and share it together in a way that is in alignment with both the old and the new, I think. Uh, mm. Yeah. So good. Oh, I just got, got tingly and that was very deja vu. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I, that, that's, I, that's why I, I was talking to you offline and doing these workshops that we're doing with, um, with Rise Up is that we don't do – I've never felt comfortable with doing the same workshops twice. And it's almost like conversation <laughs> workshops we're sharing the newest things that have happened and we're sharing the, the, the new wisdom that's been bestowed upon us. And I think just having a conversation like this and hearing that full story of Tazzy uh, was, I'd heard it somewhat before, but that's, that's epic. It's so epic. Um, and so mm. cool to be, to be cultivating a garden. Mm. Come play in the garden bed. Come and put your tiny house down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I look at those things, and then I'm also like, I, I kind of like walking around my my flat up the road from the beach. But you know, uh, but I also like, I also like feeling like I'm free. And so, you know, it's it'll be a, a playoff. It'll be a payoff, and nothing's forever. That's the other thing that I think people need to time to shake up that thought. It's like just because your dad did that job, and now you've got that job, doesn't mean that you have to keep doing it and get your son to do that job or um it's all it's all up for grabs now i think that's a an epic spot to be in and an epic time to figure out your version of composting your life i think like if there was going to be some steps to that the first one you mentioned was feel into it sit there and feel Mm -hmm. and like take time to pause take time to breathe and take time to journal and see what comes up and then do that exercise that you mentioned what does your life look like in 10 years and you just gave me some brilliant wisdom which i'm going to share with one of my clients who i've been helping with a bit of transition acceleration into providing services for um, essential services and um that was not what does what do you want in 10 years for this business but what do you want to feel like in 10 years mm-hmm. and that's a holistic question it's not just about your business it's like what do you want to feel like and part of the reason I, I, uh, I took this job in the first place, I've been working with him for a few years, is that the motivation for my mate to buy his mum a house because it's my mm. mate's company. And so I've always thought of that. 
Um, but that's not how I need to know what he will feel like when he can buy his mum a house. You know what I mean? Um, because he lost his father to, to disease uh, and it's affected a lot of people in his family. So it's like, there's a visceral feeling that I've got with that family. And that is where we need to, no, you don't need to, but that's where we can explore now is how do we want to feel in 10 years and let's work towards that. Totally. And that, I mean, that's so beautiful that his, 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 his reason for his business is, um, is to do that as well. You know, so many businesses have been created to, you know, you know, I want to be rich. I want to be famous. Um, you know, I want to maybe, I want to provide for my family. Um, which is, which is, which is obviously a, a lovely one. Um, but yeah, what, why are we creating these, these businesses and why do we want to grow this corn, these, this cabbage, this, this cash and, and where are we, where are we, we then being the channel of that foreign, um, but also how do we ask the questions up front of like, how do we want to feel like, is he going to feel like he's um, provided that protection and security and, and safety for his mum or is he, um, he or she, um, I think he said he right. Um, yeah, and 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 how do how do we ask those questions up front? Um, you know, I'm sure you've had an experience like this where you you know, like idolize something and you think you really want it, and then you, you get it, and you're like, oh, hmm. and you like keep what like you're like onto the next the next thing, and it's like it didn't, it didn't it didn't meet your expectations, like it didn't meet the froth because um, you built it up too much, or maybe you just did it um, out of alignment and out of integrity, and so just slowing the fuck down to feel into your reasoning and your, your alignment I think is, is something so important for us to, to be doing right now. Um, when I did my, my newest clock, I wrote next to it um, something like be still and listen deeply. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to do that as opposed to, yeah, my, my normal MO of, um, you know, doing all the things and always being in flow. Um, you've said this to me for a number of years now is that I need to learn how to be a steady ripper. <laughs> um, and what, what came out at um, New Kind two years ago was like, how do you how do you ebb and flow? And the, that flow cycle now um, we understand more about it is that there is kind of that recovery phase, and that is that ebb um, that we need to remember to be in as well. Because flow is very frothy and very addictive, and we want to be there all the time. But it, it's yeah, as far as I know, it's not sustainable to be there all the time. Holy shit! What's the opposite of ebb? Flow. Yeah, and what's the what's the literal opposite of ebb if you flipped it on its head? Like if you if you flip the letters. I'm dyslexic. My brain can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it's I think it's B. B. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Become whole. That's a reference to marijuana, by the way. It's good. <laughs> with marijuana cookies um so yeah i think i think you've just upgraded my, my workshop on wednesday what's the opposite of air <laughs> that's re that's recovery that's release it's just just go and be somewhere and, and release all that kind of the gnarliness of the study or whatever you're trying to achieve um oh yeah how funny is it i've got a beamer in the garage at the moment you know, you're talking mm -hmm. about before, like, or what you think you'd want. And then when you get it, you don't use it because it's our flatmates. She's in New South Wales at the moment. She's, she left it here and I've driven it once and I drove it out 
with Jackie to um, go for a walk out in the state forest. So it was kind of nice because it's got it's the sunroof and stuff. And um, and yeah, I, I'm, not that I ever really wanted a Beamer, but I've always been, it would be cool to have my own car. But I've just found that like, I don't want to drive anywhere. Even though I could probably go get some better waves, I, I've got waves right out the front. And I love being able to just to walk outside, walk down to my beach with my surfboard, get in, get in the waves, even if they're a little bit smaller than, you know, 10 k's down the road and just walk home. And that's what I really value, even though I like to joke and say, just go take the Beamer for a spin. <laughs> Jackie's like, because her car's red nut and um, this is a Toyota Paris, I think. She'll be pissed off if I didn't know. But yeah, so I'm like, let's go take the Beamer. And she's like, you don't care about red nut. <laughs> It's kind of funny. Funny to play. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that. I actually just got my car last week. I don't know. Times was extra bendy, and I was like, I like I've been wanting to do it for like a really long time. Actually, on this, and multiple things have happened. Whether I've got like this contract where I, I need need a car to be able to, or just I've told myself a story that I I, I need a car, um, but I often I, I don't try. All that much anymore in in the, like my my early my early days when when I was younger like around the world and then just in a car and I feel more and more like being um, in a in a place and being connected to a, to a place um, so yeah it felt super nice like that was like a composting moment of I'm putting the need to like own a car um, when, when I, I I first kind of channeled that that knowing of, of this needs to happen. I, I was like, oh, but I don't like, you know, I don't want to like not have my, my car and my cars are so linked to freedom. And um, I guess there's like freedom, but also the word I'm looking for is this might not be the right word. So I might need to help me, but it's like, there's a prestige. So you think about like a BMW or a fancy car. It's like a way of saying, you know, like I'm an upstanding citizen who can afford this thing. And that's utter fucking bullshit. Like, that's a story that we've had for, you know, not very long before that, you know, maybe thank we you had marketing. A, a very, thank <laughs> you, marketing, right? Before that we would have had like, you know, we would have obviously walked and then, you know, for some people they um, would ride horses and, you know, was it about like the care that you took for your, your horse or your, your camel? Um, I'm not even sure how I feel about riding animals at this point in time um, anyway, but yeah it's it's such a new story and um you know i've been watching a bit of news lately i didn't watch tv or or the news for so long but obviously with all this stuff happening and and i guess trying to keep across some of the politics of it um they were saying that you know car people driving their cars has just gone like obviously way down because we're we're in lockdown but the there's kind of like this moment of, of transition where we even own cars and will will this actually allow us to realize that the average car already was only being used for one hour of the 24-hour um cycle and so will it just mean that there is more car sharing um that's exciting how do we share the resources we don't all need to own a car (laughs) it's like such a silly story and it's and even like even I th- I think and I don't know whether this would ever happen, but wouldn't it be great if you could only go on one holiday a year and there had to be a purpose for it, not just cause. Like mm-hmm. especially in Europe, I, and like I was a bit guilty of this every now. You just pop off over to Spain, you just pop off over to, and it's easy, but it's like far out. It's such a detriment to the planet, and 
and I get it being in Australia, you go and you go for a while and you might hop around and stuff when you get there. But it's, yeah, it's like, you know, how we were joking. I saw a post um, talking about they're bailing out the, the plane, uh, the plane companies all around the world. A lot of the governments, it's like billions of dollars. And they're just like, just let them go like far out. I know let's find jobs for the, the workers, but um, it's not as simple as that. It's not as cut, cut clean cut, but someone said in the thread, it was like, you know, we did travel places before we had planes as well. You know, we did. It's just, we sail. had to more. Yeah. We could sail. And like we were saying, like how cool would it be to have a, a sailing fleet that went from um, like, mm. up here, uh, like North Bondi, AKA Byron, um, down to, down to well, let's say Brisbane this is probably a bit more practical, like Brisbane down to Sydney and then Sydney down to Melbourne. And then, so if people mm. needed to get down there, they'd go down there. And like I've done when I was working for a company in London, I had to come over and spend three weeks in Sydney. And then we ran the, the whole account. So these multinational, you know, big banks and all that kind of stuff didn't love the work, but from over there, I didn't need to fly down to say hello. It was all done by video anyway. And we we're already doing that before this. So if you need to go down, get on the get on the um, reunion ferry or whatever we'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get a sailboat. It, interestingly, um, I think me and me and Maddie kind of worked on this um, like a, a few years ago, and it's 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 something that keeps on dropping in for me. Um, and it was with this amazing um, French man called Christophe, and he was very um, he. he just he, he spoke in kind of like these sounds a lot of the time. It was beautiful to to see. Um, and he had this dream of of restoring this this sailboat and 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 sailing it around the world, um, sharing uh, stories around regenerative practices and, and biomimicry. And so you would contribute to the, the local place, but you would also that there would be like this reciprocal relationship where they would actually teach you. Um, you know their their ancient wisdom or their place based um, you know cultural practices that um, they were doing um, that might be more innovative or or, or whatever um, it might it might have been in terms of that knowledge transfer and the the reason why um, it was on a boat was because he also um, was a bit piratey is because it was like the boat is kind of like our only way of really understanding that we live on this finite resource. It's our only way of, of holding the ball and being on the ball. And so, you know, we all can't have that experience of looking back onto the earth and 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 seeing it as a ball. But if you're if you're on a boat and you're out at sea and you're detached from, you know, land and and, and the shops, um, you know, how, how do you have enough food and, and, and be really mindful of the food that you have, um, not taking you know, too much and, and have it, having food go off and how do you potentially maybe grow some food and catch fish and, and really model that that kind of existence of, of not taking more than you give um, and, and being on that boat and, and actually just having to flow. Um, I think that that's such a curious thing. It's like you don't know when you're going to get somewhere because you're also dependent on, on, on the weather and, and the wind um, and what's happening around you. So, yeah, I look forward to that. Um, idea continuing to evolve and, and manifest um into the future sure you'd only need to up. do it once wouldn't you just need it once yeah just to see if it worked and how, how it worked mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. twice maybe twice yeah so anyway he has yeah. he's been restoring this boat for the past like four four years i think um it's called the chandelier it's beautiful um so yeah i look forward to seeing the chandelier um 
going on its first adventure. Let's tee it up. <laughs> Let's tee it up for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, mate, this, is, this has been a, a radical conversation. As always, we always have good jams. Good talk, for, talk forever. That's when you know you've got a good buddy. That's when you know you found a good frother. Um, <laughs> is there... Know, that's kind of like the usual way. How do you contact Sarah? Oh, maybe there's a. How do you? How can you write a letter to Sarah to say to say how appreciative you are? Uh, how appreciative? So sorry, I'll give some context. You know Michelle when we went and did that talk on the panel. So our beautiful friend Michelle Sutherland, also a frother who's been on the podcast. Uh, we went and talked on a panel. And instead of like sending us just a you know a thank you note or whatever, she got all the people within the. The workshop to um to sit and there was 150 people to, to write on a piece of paper about like why they were grateful for us turning up and the wisdom that we shared in inverted commas that i don't want to be a wanker and keep saying that we 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 deliver wisdom everywhere we go but the words that we shared um and so we got this package like a couple of weeks later like just a an envelope with all these these and how often do you ever get like you know 50 or 60 pieces of paper that just say you're awesome. It's like, it's actually really nice, isn't it? It's, it's, just, it, it, it's like, it's a little bit stroke of the ego, but it's just nice to know that people appreciate you. Uh, and it was nicer than just, you know, a bunch of Facebook comments or whatever. It was, mm-hmm. it was tangible. So if you want to connect with Sarah, I'm going to let her tell you how you can do that. But if you also really want to connect with Sarah, uh, we'll figure out how you could potentially write her a letter and send it. And this is an MVP. Who knows if this will work, but it'll be cool <laughs> if it did. If even one listener of Finding the Frothers wrote a letter to uh, Sarah Rickards to say how awesome she is. Oh, do you know that you've just channeled something? I actually love getting stuff in the mail so much. Um, it's like my favorite thing. It's like this, you know, it obviously happened so, so much in the past. That was our way of communicating. And then we shifted to emails and text messages. And so there's like this this sacredness that we've lost in the art of, I guess, letter writing and the, and the time, that, that time that it takes. I actually have, um, <laughs> we'll end on a real random one. <laughs> I, um, I had this unicorn birthday cake a few years ago. I think you were at this birthday and it was like my, Shawnee made me this unicorn cake. It was like a unicorn that pooed rainbow cake, obviously. Yeah. And I couldn't like eat the unicorn because like you, that would just be weird. You can't eat a unicorn. Um, and it was, obvious, it was also made purely of sugar, so um, it would have been pretty intense. And so I put this unicorn in, in my fridge and it lived in my fridge for, you know, two, two and a half years. Um, and when I had a friend come and stay, he started writing letters to and from the unicorn that lived in the fridge. <laughs> and and when, when, he, when he left, he... Um, well, I shouldn't say he, um, but we continued to get these unicorn letters in the mail from the unicorn that lived in our fridge but in our mailbox and it's just such a fun and playful thing. And so, yeah, every now, every now and then, even though I don't live in this house, there's this unicorn um, letter that, that, that arrives and it's super beautiful. Um, I actually also have this other letter that right next to me that I'll show you because an amazing artist, um, my friend of my friend sent me this, like, and he like hand wrote the my name. It looks then, sick if you're uh, if you're listening to this on a podcast. <laughs> and then he painted this lizard. Yeah, and so it's, it, he sent me a lizard wizard in the mail. So yeah, I love getting things in the mail, and especially when I live in Tasmania, I don't even know if I have a um, a mailbox, but I'd love to get stuff in, something in the mail that just says hello. 
Yeah, let's work it out. Maybe um maybe your parents probably wouldn't wouldn't like us giving you the address on the on the other podcast, but maybe we'll just check in with them first. And also just like to say, I do remember that party. I delivered a bespoke poem um using a double ended dildo as a microphone. <laughs> that was beautiful. Really I loved that poem. I loved a copy of that poem. It was super it was so magical. That was like the second iteration of, of the fuck giving birthday. Burning Man style where, um, yeah, I asked all of my friends to come and to, yeah, they, they could come as their authentic selves. So some people kind of came, you, you obviously came in a party shirt. Some people came like completely, you know, dressed up in all sorts of things. We had like these, like, all of these costumes that people wanted to, you know, bedazzle themselves in, in, in like a silly hat or whatever. And yeah, people were invited to, to share um, if they felt called to share or just to bring some, yeah, to bring a rainbow unicorn cake or whatever. And, yeah, you did a bit of poem. And um, Uncle Lex did a beautiful Welcome to Country um, for us as well. It was really special with his clap sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I really think that that was part of when I was in, in there living, um, living living in there in that country, I was like, I was a strong calling. I kept on going, going back there. Um, I found out that was right on a, on a song line actually that goes up the east coast of Australia and um yeah I felt like there was like a real healing and custodianship piece that was even happening there and how do we bring people together and and open them up to this this indigenous knowledge and, and you know having knowledge of of country and, and welcome to country and, and ceremony mm. on this land to, to heal um you know this trauma that has, that has happened and, and leaving these worlds together and so as much as we had um double-ended microphones and 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 silly hats um there was like a real sacredness uh, a playful sacredness to 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 that event it was such a a magical (laughs) magical magical time um yeah so yeah thank you for that beautiful poem Benny no worries thank you for the uh thank you for organizing such a radical night so many (laughs) like that's why I love live events but we can while we're in isolation we can still get together with with legends and explore new things and meet new people it's um it's just a different different time and only for a short time we hope so yeah uh did you want to just say how people could just get get involved um in some some fuck giving or anything like that or follow some sarah rickards traditional way no that's not the traditional way the traditional way would be to send you a letter so we'll organize that offline send me a letter um yeah i'm kind of yeah i mean i i feel like yeah Google my name and find me. I'm kind of, I, I feel like I don't want to put a website or anything here because I'm constantly like changing and evolving and composting so much that like, um, I mean, I have the website, um, fuckgiving.co, futuregiving.co, and then we have reunion.earth. Um, so yeah, you can, you can find me through those things and maybe we'll just put my email address in the show notes. I suck at writing back to emails. Um, I prefer sending voice memos. So, yeah, we'll figure out a way to do a voice memo exchange maybe right <laughs> on some pen Right on. Maybe some, uh, some karaoke in there as well. Well, and also, thank you so much for coming on. Much appreciated. Thanks for being an anchor frother. Thank, thanks for being one of the ultimate frothers. Had a run of ultimate frothers on here, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, mate, looking forward to continuing to co-create and... And uh, what you just said about weaving the wisdom of young and old, I think, is very important of new and old. And, yeah, that's, that's something that's definitely part of the mission. So thank you very much for joining. 
Well, thank you for having me, Benny, for finding all the other frothers, the others. It's such a beautiful um, thing that you're, you're doing here, weaving all of these worlds together and all of these stories together. And um, I look forward to the next couple of decades of us co-creating. It's pretty wild that we've evolved um, together in, in this way of yeah, being these kind of um, these reckless kind of, I guess, naughty 20-year-olds um, and how we've kind of we've gone on this this journey it's it's not too often that you can evolve um with somebody often i find you can like evolve and, and be divergent so it's yeah it's our relationship is something very special and dear to me and, yeah. it's radical very Let it continue. and and we're still a little bit reckless because otherwise it's <laughs> 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 All right, dude, we'll keep yeah we'll keep going Much love. quick one guys to keep this show afloat feel free to subscribe and share the love maybe even leave a cheeky comment review that'd be awesome you can find the show notes on my website at bennywallington.com and finally this episode was sponsored by my grandma joyce reichel who passed away last year from dementia she was one of the original frothers and would talk to anyone on the bus, train or wherever and generously impart her energy and wisdom. So if you see an elderly person who is looking for someone to froth with, go and hang out with them. They've got the best stories. Also, a huge shout out to our producer, Lily Haynes, for bringing this to life and Billy Otto, who created that beautiful introduction in true Billy Otto style. Also, my buddies in Australia and the UK who have been super generous in swimming me feedback. In a way, all of you guys are sponsoring me with your time. Love to the guests, past and future, and also to you guys for listening. Ciao for now. You!